My name is Liz Fairman, and my husband and I um, pastor a church in Logan, Utah. Um, and we also have a small congregation in Pocatello, and we, after church service on uh, Sunday, we get in our car and we drive to Pocatello. We do a night service up there. Um, can't believe it. It's going on eight years that we've been doing that. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, if you serve God, it just, the, everything just kind of flies by, and all of a sudden you turn around and go, wow, we've been driving here for eight years. But you just do what God tells you to do, and don't worry about all the rest of it. But it's a huge blessing, both ministries. We started out with a small um, college ministry in Logan, and now it's starting to grow, and God's putting families in. And, and I have a lot of adopted grandbabies, because it's going to be a while, I think, till I get some of my own. But I love that part. And... So when um, I was visiting my friend Kathy Whipple three weeks ago, maybe, um, and she said, we're having a mug exchange at church. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll tag along. And so I did that and I heard wind of a women's retreat. So I just walked up and said, you know, can I come? And so thanks for, thanks for letting me invite myself. <laughs> Appreciate that. I love these things. And then I was crazy enough to email Kathy Roberts and say, um, hey, listen, I'm coming. I don't, know how, I don't know if I'll be able to bring too many people. We just didn't have enough time to really um, prepare for that. But if you need anything, just let me know. You know, I'll teach a workshop if you need it. And she goes, well, I think we've got everything covered. I said, okay. Just, it's like, who does that? But I just wanted to confess that I'm, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to the work that God does in me when I get out of my comfort zone or volunteer to serve him because from that point on, those of you that have done things that may be uncomfortable, it just it's this walk with God and he starts to minister to us and everything that we see is magnified. At least that's what it's my experience. Like I'll just be going along reading something and stuff just jumps off the page and and so I just I love that part of it. So I just thank you for allowing me to do that and just sharing some of the stuff that God has just laid on my heart. So before we go too much further, let's uh, just go to the Lord. Oh, dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for this opportunity and um, just what a wealth of, of wisdom and teaching has been a part of this weekend, Lord. I thank you for these women that you have raised up, Lord. I thank you for allowing me this opportunity. Um, Lord, I hope that somebody benefits from this, Lord, but I know that I do. And I just thank you for that sweet time with you, Lord, and as you reveal things in me. Um, Lord, that, uh, that you have done and that you are going to do. I just pray that that will uh, come across, Lord, in this message. I thank you for your patience and for your long-suffering, Lord, with us. And, and Lord, just uh, let you be glorified and, and let me decrease and you increase, Lord, and I just thank you. We just say it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, so my theme is uh, how do I change my habits and uh, breaking the lock of habitual joylessness. Uh, saying that being joyful doesn't mean that you're riding the joy wave all the time. Sometimes that will ebb and flow depending on what's going on in life. So we're really not talking about that, but we're talking about that constant joylessness and that you um, are actually living in that. And so it's funny, it's like the theme was there and then I just went to God and said, okay, what do you want me to talk about? because I just want this to be about what you want me to talk about. Hopefully it'll all marry together and make sense, but he laid on my heart, which I find just kind of interesting because Kathy Whipple and I, if you've been to her workshop, we're tag teaming a little bit today because we talked a couple days ago and just kind of said, oh, what are you talking about? She goes, me too. And so we're really talking about very similar things and it, 
makes me smile. So if you were in her workshop and you're in mine, you needed to hear it twice. Uh, it's just like a double dose, a double portion, okay? Um, but the one thing I wanted to say first is that to find joy, we need to be saved. So Jesus is the only source of joy. And once we have got, and if you are in that process and not exactly sure what that means, and I've heard this before this weekend, please get with somebody that looks like they know what they're doing and ask them about <laughs> ask them about what this means to be saved because I don't ever want to assume that the people that we're speaking to know what that means. Um, and if you are here and not saved, you're being drawn. You're being drawn to a place that can teach you what that means. There is a sweetness in this relationship with Jesus. And so I would love to pray with you, and I'm sure a lot of other people would love to just maybe explain that a little bit more and pray with you. But So once we've achieved that and salvation, joy is a gift that is deposited in us when we get to that point, okay? And it is up to us. This is just kind of the thought that God has put in my head. It's up to us to magnify that, to nurture it, and to protect it. And if we don't do that, then it could be stolen. So joy is not one of those things that we need to obtain and go after. And before you were saved, before I was saved, that was something I was always trying to find or buy or seek or vacation. You know, those things that we think are going to bring us joy. And a lot of times if we get through life far enough, we'll realize, okay, all those things are not working. And then... So many times it takes a while for us to work through all that process and say, okay, this isn't working. I need to figure something else out. And a lot of times that's when Jesus really gets our attention. So joy is not something that we can go get. It's deposited in us. It's a gift. It's grace. Okay, so it's something that God just gives us. And that's one of those benefits from being in Jesus and abiding, abiding in him. And so I kind of think and abide as hanging out with him. We're just, we're hanging out. You know, we're just right next to him. Wherever he, I've got some of those friends that are so delightful to be with that I just kind of want to hang out with them. You know, just kind of, just sit, wherever they're going, okay, you know, I'll end up making my way over there because it, whatever they're giving me is bringing joy to me. So Jesus has, needs to be that place in your life where you're just hanging out with him. Wherever he goes, you go because you know it's going to be good. Whatever he's a part of is going to be good. So abiding in him, because I love this, that the same verses keep coming up, John 15, 9. Um, it says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. I don't want to just breeze right past that because he's given us a comparison. <clears throat> all of us are probably okay with that statement, as the Father loved Jesus. We would all agree with that. We can understand that, can't we? Okay, well, he's comparing the love that the Father has for him to the love that Jesus has for us. And just as true as the love that the Father has for the Son, that is just as true as the Son has for us. They're just as strong, they're just as powerful. Okay, so Jesus is giving us a comparison, and he says, after that, he says, if you abide in me, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Stay in that love. Because that is a truth that we, whether we feel it or not, is a truth that we can hold on to. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, what were the two main commandments when the people went to Jesus and said, what should we do? What are the most important commandments? And he says, love the God the Father first and love your neighbor as yourself. 
love, 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 love all over the place. So if, if we abide in that, if we embrace that, then he says that if we'll do that, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, another comparison. Has Jesus kept the commandments of God, the two main commandments? He says, love um, God the Father with all your heart. Jesus has done that. And love the, your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has done that. That's the comparison that we can hold on to for that, okay? So if we're in that place, then we are, re then he says, then he says, my joy will be in you and it will be full. Okay, so that is one of those, that's the core kind of uh, jumping off point that I want to have. Because if you're here, you want to know how can I, how can I uh, change my habits and break that joylessness? Well, Jesus says the joy is in me. We hang out with Jesus. The joy will be in us. Okay? So if we're, if we're kind of thinking along those lines, um, we've got to start thinking, okay, what can we do to strengthen that love relationship with Jesus? And this is where I want you to kind of chip in with me because some of you have been through this and have applied some of these things to your life. And I believe that you guys know the answers to this. So I don't necessarily need to tell you what those are. Can you guys just kind of input on the things that you have done to strengthen your relationship with Jesus? Can we just, like, ideas? Read your Bible. Okay, read the Word. Be in the Word. Pray. Pray. Hang out with other Christians. Yes, perfect. I love that. That's one of the things that's important to me. Fast. Fast. Lovely. Obedience. Obedience. Great. You know, and you know what I've noticed too, as we speak these things out, we own them. Yeah. Don't you think? Because we know these answers. You guys, I'm not going to tell you anything that you guys don't know already. We know these answers. We speak them out. We own them. You know, we sign up for retreats. You know, we join women's ministry. Um, whatever you can do to surround yourself with Jesus things is what I, one of those first things that will start to break those habits. Um, and on my notes, I said, change takes real intentionality. You have got to go for that. There's so much of this um, lazy, lazy Christianity, where we just kind of sit there and do it for me, you know, chew my food, swallow it for me. We just sit there. And so you have got to want something. And it's, for some reason, we kind of get a disconnect when it comes from the spiritual to the physical. If you want to do a, a race or a relay race, Debbie, what do you do? You train for that. There's an intentionality. You know you can't just show up for the race you know, without some training behind you. We need to put that same kind of focus and energy into our walk with, with God. We want to really, so if you're sitting here and feel like I just can't get out of this joylessness, you need to want to change. Okay, you don't just, and I put, this might be silly, but um, if you're thirsty, you don't just pick up a book and read about how you drink water, right? That's not going to satisfy that thirst. You've got to put the book down. You've got to pick your, your glass of water. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't think that somebody else is going to do this for you. Don't think that your pastor will do it for you or, or your pastor's wife will do it for you. I want to kind of get you guys to exercise those spiritual muscles and really go for that. Um, and so jumping into the word now, and I'm going to kind of go between a few verses in Philippians, but Philippians 4.11, Paul says that he has learned how to be content in whatever state he is in. And the key word here is learned. He has learned how to do that. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, how did he get to that point where he can say, you know, in all things I am content? 
Um, he ha had to go through the trials. He had to go through that whole peeling away process. Um, he didn't just sit in a workshop and take a few notes and then just call it good. You know, so I really am asking you guys to write some of these key trigger words that can remind you of some of those things that you want to do. Um, but you have got to say, okay, God, I, this joylessness is overtaking me. I need you to show me what I need to do. And this is how you'll strengthen that relationship with God. And so when we get to that point, um, asking Jesus what is stealing your joy. So this is where Kathy and I kind of merge a little bit. God laid on my heart very strongly. Talk about those things that are stealing them because a lot of times we don't know what to do about them unless we have identified them. Okay, so we're gonna, hers was joy stealers and mine's joy suckers. <laughs> Hence the joy suckers, okay? I made like 20 something, I don't know if that's enough for the people in here, but um, so that's kind of where my head goes. I'm a very visual person, so I, if I have got some little point that I wanna get across, I'm either making suckers or sewing something or something like that. Um, so, like I said, it, what you want to do is you want to get down. If you don't know what that joy sucker is for you, ask God to reveal that in you. Um, and sometimes, you know, he is so gracious that he will show you even without intentionally asking for that. And so that's why I want to kind of uh, talk about my story just a little bit. Um, my joy sucker up until about a year and a half ago was fear. And I love the fact that Kathy has talked about fear so much and how fear comes in all these different um, shapes and sizes. Um, and there's a, there's a little deeper part to that. But so fear for me, um, it was my maternal grandmother died of breast cancer at 45. My mother had breast cancer at 70. And she was always on my case from the very, in my early 30s. Make sure you're getting tested, you know, and it was all so much in my head that I started developing fear of this possible scenario. And so I thought to myself, I even got to the point where I thought, you know what, if anyone's going to get in this family, it's going to be me. Um, you know, I need to get prepared for that. And so I was walking in fear of that, but not really recognizing that that was still in my joy. And so the thing that God showed me, okay, back up just a little bit, before that became a part of my life, um, my daughter has started going through major, major health. She just started shutting down. Okay, she had food allergies that were building. She had, I mean, I could just see her just going downhill and we didn't know what to do about it. Nobody could help us. Um, she, there's a valve, this is your like physiology class for the day. There's a valve in your uh, intestines that's called the ileocecal valve. And it is there, it shuts down, when you eat, it opens up, lets the food pass, and then it shuts down behind it. Okay, so what hers does is it's starting to get stuck. And we were in the emergency room before we knew what it was. We found out what it was. We knew that food was uh, contributing to that, but it's a double over pain. You can't function, it's excruciating. My daughter's very stoic and very pain, high threshold of pain. And for six months, we were trying to figure out what was going on. And I am telling you, the stress level was through the roof. And when she would text me or call me, it was crisis. Um, I remember being, so that happened in March, and I remember being at a pastor's conference in Dallas, Texas, and I was just trying to get away from all of that and just clear my mind. And she didn't bother me a lot with some of the stuff. But I remember being in a thrift store with a friend, 
and she gives me a call and she's in tears. She's just almost hysterical. Mom, I can't move. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I am just surrounded by all these godly women and I'm just asking for prayer. I'm asking for people to help. And that stress level just, I was so, so fearful. And I would just go to my knees and say, God, we need help, we need help. And so to, um, to bring alongside the trust or the fear issues, I want to bring along the anxiety because that goes along with that so closely, so full of anxiety. And I remember thinking, God, I know your word says be anxious for nothing and in everything uh, lifted up with prayer and supplication. I know what your word says, but I don't know how to do this. Do you guys ever get to that point where you know what God says about that? I don't know. I don't know how to apply this. I don't know what this looks like. I know what I should be doing. And it was one of those prayers of God help me because... I know what I should be doing and I can't. And that's, that's as far as I got. It was not any more profound than that. And at that point on, I think God started saying, okay, let's get business because I gave him permission. I, I'm a real big believer in giving God permission to come in and start changing us. So I gave him that permission and I said, please, I need help with this. I don't know what to do. My daughter is dying right before my eyes. And so we came, I came home from that um, retreat. And it was a couple more months of this, you know, what are we going to do? And I went to a Bible, our fellowship in Pocatello. I have a dear friend that's in, a lot into natural health. And she said, did you ever call that one naturopath in Spokane that I told you about? I said, no. She goes, call her tomorrow. And I said, okay. And so I get on the phone, miraculous. You know, she had an opening and we got her Blair up there and she but I remember before we got to that point, I could feel fear and anxiety. Hands were at my spine, and they were just wrapping and constricting. And I couldn't. I remember being in the car driving with my husband and having to go like this just to be able to breathe. And it was a visual of just having those just fingers of fear just gripping. And Within that point, we found out some answers for Blair. I could tell that God was in work for her. Two months later, I got, had breast cancer. And I can tell you right now, if you let stress and fear and anxiety rule you, it will break you down. I had a tumor like that. Two weeks, no tumor, no, no tumor, tumor. And I knew that it was from that stress level. But God used all of that for, to teach me he said, okay, if you thought that was fearful, let's go into this other thing that we've been suppressing. And so that's what I mean. Like, you can either go, him, go to him and ask him to reveal those things that are keeping you from joy, or he'll just tell you. <laughs> you know, but you do have to give him permission to do that. You have to say, listen, I'm tired of this. Let's, let's figure this out. So my, my goal today is to maybe throw some things out there to possible things that you can actually look on your paper. I have some handouts. And I, have, I don't know if we're going to get to all of them as far as breaking them down in, in the Bible, but there are the scriptures that I can, there's lots of them, so I'll just give you a couple of examples. Are there for you? You can do your own study with them. But because fear was so prevalent in my life. I just want to park on that a little bit and the anxiety part of it. On the papers, I put in one column the flesh. Um, and, and Debbie, you did something similar to this. And the one column is the flesh response, and the next column is the spiritual response, okay? 
So if you are dealing with fear in your life, you've got trust issues. Okay? Um, and God showed me that very clearly. So here I am dealing with my daughter who has a blood pressure so low she can barely stand up. And yeah, she might be on the rise, but it's a slow process. I've got cancer. You know, we're just, it just all falls apart at once sometimes it seems like. Um, and I had a friend call me on the phone and she said, are you, she said something to trigger the fear thing. And she, I said, you know what, you are right. I am, I'm fearful. And God showed me so clearly, it's, you don't trust me. And it's a sin. And when, I, when it was put in context like that for me, I just went, whoa. You know, I don't want to sin. You know, I don't want to willfully disobey or be in a place. I just wasn't aware of it. So I said, okay, you're right, God. I don't trust you. I don't trust you with my daughter. Because in that six months, I was a mess. And I don't, those of you who know me, I'm pretty even killed. But I was just a mess. I was on my knees. I was panic mode. I'm calling everybody I know. You know like every doctor, every naturopath I know. And I'm sure they're on the other phone, on, on the other end, just going, crazy town. This woman, I was just like, I don't know. One time I called the naturopath in Spokane and talked to the receptionist and said, my daughter's doing this. I don't know what to do. And she's going, well, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know. I'll call you back. You know, it's just like, it was just, it was crazy town. And so he showed me, you don't trust me with her and you don't trust me with you. And I'm going to reveal those things in your life. And now we're going to walk through them. Okay. So if fear and anxiety happens to be something that you deal with, guess what? Jesus is going to take your hand. He's going to make you face those things that you have set up before him. And he is going to show you that they're not that big of a deal. He is so much stronger with that. And so three verses that I want to deal with the fear and the trust issues, the joy suckers in life. Um, in Psalm 23, 4, I think it, oh yeah, Psalm 23, 4, I don't want to take the time to keep turning, so I'll just read it to you. Um, it tells us that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me, and your rod and they, your staff, they comfort me. The thing that jumps out in that verse to me is it's the shadow of death, or a shadow of fear. There's no substance in a shadow. It's smoke and mirrors, okay? So we should not be afraid of the evil or afraid. Put up whatever it is that you're fearful for. It's a shadow, okay? God is trying to tell us that it's nothing more than that. He is bigger than that, and he will, he will correct us with his rod, and it will comfort us in the same time. I was corrected by what I was harboring and holding on to. He slapped me across the hands, and usually that's all I need. It's just a nice little knuckle slap, and then I'm going, okay, let's get rid of that. Let's do what we need to do to get rid of that. And it was very comforting, too. Um, 27, Psalm 27, 1 through 3, it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Whom or what? Okay, whom or what should we fear? You've got your own word in your head. You know what that is. Um, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came up against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise up against me, and this I will be confident. Are we confident in that? Because if you're not, you need to get to know who Jesus is more. Okay? If, those, if that's a wobbly area for you, dig in. Should ask Jesus to reveal himself. Let's get this process going, because there's no point in staying in this place. Would you agree? 
no point in parking there. I had a friend when I was going through my counselor stuff, she said, you know what, sometimes I tell my ladies that you can drive your car, you can drive your pity party car, but don't park in the driveway. You can drive it around the block, but don't park in the driveway. I love that. You know, she said, you know, take your time, you know, go, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me, why me, you know, do all that stuff, but don't park in the driveway. Yeah, just, just keep going, okay, because God will, um, God will work through that with you. And then in Psalm 46, um, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Thank you, Jesus, for that. There's trouble in this world, Jesus tells us, but he is our help in that trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar um, and be troubled, though the mountains shake and its swelling. Okay, so in all those things that were described, the things that you are, that is stealing your joy, if it's fear or anxiety based, is it any worse than the mountains being carried away? Um, you know, the, the water, the swells, the waves that are beating up against you? No, this is not, lighten up, okay, lighten up. I, I'm saying that because I said it to myself. Okay, we can do this. And let me tell you, going through that valley of the shadow of death, I can honestly tell you at this point that I really can't think of anything that I'm very fearful about. And I wanted to, and so I asked God, just even yesterday, I said, um, when did all this start? When did this fearfulness start? Because I didn't, I had a great childhood. I don't have any big horror stories from that. I laid my head down on the pillow last night. I got in kind of late. We were, you know, gabbing and having fun. And right before I fell asleep, God showed me that this is something I've been carrying <coughs> since my childhood. And I honestly, before last night, never even thought about it before. I, in my mind, I wrote down a few things. Um, I used to be a very timid um, and shy child. And my mom would say, I would say, Let's, can we go swimming? She goes, yes, call the municipal pool and find out what time they start. <laughs> you know, I'd get the phone back. I wouldn't go swimming because I was too afraid to pick up a phone call to talk to somebody I didn't know. You know, and I'm probably eight or nine or 10 years old. Okay, so the, he reminded me of that. Um, I would ride my bike through the neighborhood, got chased by two or three different German shepherds. I was so fearful to ride my bike past these houses. And I mean, so fearful that I thought I would throw up. So I remember being, that was something that I was really afraid of. Not that anybody wouldn't have been, but that was one of those things. I remember being very young. Um, maybe six or seven, and mom taught me how to vacuum, and she said, no, Liz, you, when you vacuum, don't run over the cord, because the cord could get all wrapped up, and that plastic could come off, and you know, it could start a fire. I was so afraid to vacuum after that, that I would cry, no, mom, I don't want to vacuum, and she'd look at me and go, what is wrong with you? I'd just be this heaving mess, because vacuuming scared me. You know, so that was just like layer upon layer upon layer about things that I was afraid of, and what I felt like, as I looked, the verse that came to my mind, you know, was just the opposite of when God said, what they meant for evil, God meant it for good. And I felt like the enemy was trying, the, he's trying to take us down, okay? Um, these, uh, these things that are, that are plaguing us and keeping us from our joy, that's enemy-based. He's trying to reduce our joy. He cannot take our salvation away from us, Okay. He can't steal that, that is secure, but he can sure come in and mess up with us and take that joy away. And so 
I see that those things that God was trying, or the enemy was trying to beat me down in all the way up from being a little child, God was going to magnify this. And we're going to go through this life experience and I'm going to be into this place where, I, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. And just to kind of show you what that looked like too, like I said, my daughter would give, bring me texts and I would, before I opened that text, I would get that adrenaline rush and that pit in my stomach and I'd start to shake and I wouldn't dare even open the text. It took me almost six months after I had worked through that in order to pick up the phone and have it be a happy phone call. That's what was a fearful thing with me, and now I'm seeing God take it through, and now in my mind I'm putting myself through some emotional exercises saying, okay, what if this happened? You know, what if that happened? What if this happened? How would I react to that? And I feel like I'm so much more steady right now because I have walked through that, that joy sucker. And another thing that kind of, uh, this could be super silly, but you know, so we've got, this is like one of those no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace things. Okay, these are joy suckers, or they could be joy suckers. Okay, so the joy suckers, what happens when you put them together like this? <laughs> yeah, they become a weight, don't they? They become a weight. <laughs> that just came to me. I don't want that to be a weight. We've got to run this race. Okay, we've got this goal in mind. We can't be having anything still us from that. So on, so let me just touch on a few of these other ones real quick. We've got joy, fear is a trust issue. You know, if this is your issue, go to God, please, please, and repent. Repent from not trusting him. Is he, is he not worthy to be trusted? Has he not given us enough examples, even if we can't see him in our own life, that we can trust him? It's, it's kind of silly, isn't it, when we put it in that contest. We can trust him with that. Repent of that and tell him, please magnify that little faith that I have and may, help me to learn how to trust you. Okay, we've got hopeless. If you are joy sucker hopeless, um, if you are ho living in hopelessness, the opposite of that would be hope. And the verse that I gave for that was Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Okay, if we are, these are verses that I just have quickly came to my mind Put these on index cards. Put them wherever you need to. Identify some of these things that you might be dealing with. Don't just use these verses. There's lots of them in the Bible that deal with hope. Okay? Make the thoughts captive. Retrain your mind. Retrain your thinking. Let these come in and replace the hopelessness if that happens to be an issue for you. Um, we thought we talked about the anxiety and self-control. And again, I remember um, anxiety and worry, they kind of go hand in hand to me. Um, like I said, I know what your word says. I know it tells me not to be anxious, but I don't know how to do that. And that's the point where Jesus said, okay, let's, I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to give you a lot that you could be anxious about, but I'm going to show you that it's not that big monster under the bed that you thought it was. And in that trial, sweetness, 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 I, can, I think what a lot of people will say this, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay, I would not trade what that refined in me. I wouldn't trade what it refined in my marriage. It's like, because, and it was me. My husband is a wonderful, wonderful man. Loves me to a fault. 
And I started getting full of myself. I'm a very independent person, um, not very vulnerable a lot of times. And I started drifting away from him before this happened and thinking, you know, I just don't really need that. You know, we've always had a good time. We've had, always had a really great marriage. But I started just thinking that, that I was kind of an island. I could do this on my own. When that hit me, I was like a lump. You know, you'd think that I'd be better prepared for that because I'd been thinking about it for 15 years, right? Um, but I was just a lump. I needed his strength. I needed him, and it just strengthened our marriage. Do not run from the trial. Do not try and wiggle out of the tribulation. It is there for a purpose. It's there to refine you. It's there to change you, okay? It's our nature to want to get away from whatever God is sending us through. Don't do it. Please don't do it. In my situation, I, could, I didn't have a choice, okay? We had an issue here. We needed to take care of it. But it was a sweetness. It strengthened my relationships with my friends as I called them up and just said, you know, I was so vulnerable, and I'm not a vulnerable person. God had given me. Because we're in college ministry, they're just big kids, okay? So I was in, um, God shows me things right as I wake up in the morning. He showed me this picture of a, a mama bird and baby birds in the, in the nest. And their mouths are all open and they're just going, rawr, 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 you know, that whole twerping thing. And the mom's trying to feed them as fast as she can. And I thought, oh, I'm the mama bird. I've got all these baby birds. They need me all the time. Um, and that's okay, but sometimes it was tiring. And when this thing came along with me personally in my life, guess who was the baby bird? That was important for me because I can get a little full of myself. Okay, um, That was so important for me. I was the one with the mouth open all the time. I was going to everything that God had his name on because I needed people. I needed their prayers. I needed their support. Sweet, sweet time. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. I could stand up and I could tell you what God's word said. But I wasn't very authentic. And he made me authentic. And I thank him for that. Okay, so let's move on past the anxiety. Um, opposite of anxiety, before we move on, is self-control. Okay? Um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and by prayer and supplication, just ask God to ask him to figure this out for you. He will do it. Um, with thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus. Okay, you have got to talk to him. Have you been in a relationship before, and you have said, they said, I don't know what's going on unless you talk to me? You know, how we just, that whole thing. Well, God has kind of got that set up too. Talk to me, just talk to me, tell me what's going on. Because we need to vocalize it, we need to own that, and then we can move on and move through that. So. Um, let your request be made known to God. I am here to tell you as I'm on my knees going, oh, what are we supposed to do now? It's like, help me, help me. Help came. Okay, it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch unfold. Um, if you are dealing with discontent, the opposite of obviously would be contentment. Um, in Philippians 4.11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Okay, again, Paul is saying, I've learned this, and how did he learn it? He learned it by being stoned. He learned it by being pl having plenty and not having any. He went through the ropes, okay? Um, like I said, let God do that in you, however that looks. Um, if you are restlessness, the opposite of that would be peace. Uh, John 16.33 says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Love, love, love that verse because it tells us, guess what? You walk out these doors, there's trouble waiting for you. Okay, our bodies are dying. Um, jobs are, we're losing jobs. You know, all of those things, is, that's waiting. But he says, don't be afraid. I'm there with you. I've overcome all of it. Okay, just let him be in there with you. Do not shut yourself out. You know, I don't know what you've been through in life. I know that there's so many things in life that puts walls around our hearts. We start to protect ourselves. Uh, we don't want people in. We can't afford to do that with Jesus. We've got to let him in. Let him into those recesses of your heart. Um, bitterness, uh, if bitterness is a, a joy sucker for you, repent. Okay, another repenting thing. Repent and forgive. Okay, forgive. Um, I put Hebrews 12, 12 through 15. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Ooh, I can relate to that. And the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, if you want to hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness, you will not see the Lord. Okay, the word tells you that. This is a bit really serious thing. Bitterness will eat you up. Okay, so forgive that. And then he says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Do you see how strong that language is? That bitterness sits in us, it, be, it defiles us. Okay, don't let that be a part of your life. And like I said, sometimes these things are buried so deep that we don't even realize that that's what's going on. So if, that, if God is kind of putting that on your heart, start searching your heart, search your, your life to see if that's something that's kind of been um, a part of it. And forgive them for they know what, not what they're doing. Okay, if somebody has wronged you and hurt you, forgive them. If they're ungodly and if they've hurt you that bad, they probably are, even if they say they're Christians. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're in the flesh. They're hurting. They've been hurt. Okay, just let that stuff go. It'll eat you up. Um, anger, um, impatience, and, infrust and frustration, I kind of put those in the same group. Um, the opposite of that would be wisdom. And I know that that sounds a little bit weird, but let me tell you why I put that. I came across Ecclesiastes 7, 8 through 10, says, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely considering this. Okay, the reason that kind of struck me is if we're impatient with people and we're angry with people and we're frustrated with people is because we've got so much pride in us that they should be doing it differently. Right? So it's a pride issue, okay? Sometimes it's, it's nice to kind of get it presented that way. And that's why he says, you know, the way you end up is so much better than the way you started. That's the point. We can't sometimes prevent those things that created that anger and frustration in us, but we sure can do something about them at the end. So what is your response to that? Um, being patient in your spirit is better than a proud spirit. Okay? <clears throat> Chill, be patient. Do you want God to do that for you? Do you want all of his patience to be poured out on you? We need to learn how to do that with other people. Um, and, he, and then I like this part. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Okay? Anger issues? Okay? Just dissect it. Say, God, I think I've got anger issues. Please help me see that. And help me get rid of that, okay? 
So, and then this is another thing God laid on my heart last week, and I said, no, I've already taught on that. That's something that, you know, we don't really need to go there. We have now dealt with some of the possible joy suckers. You guys know, I think, really know in your spirits what you need to do about that. Once we get that cleaned out, I love it to replace it and put something else on. So the things that bring me the most joy are the giftedness that God has given me. And I know I taught about uh, this at a workshop in Twin years and years ago, and I love this. It's one of my favorite subjects, and I love to try and help people figure out what that is. But in uh, Romans chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles, turn with that one in me. And we won't spend too much time on this. So we know now what we need to do to clean house, clean our closets, get rid of those things that steal our joy. What do we need to put in the closet now to create joy? Okay? We need to realize and figure out what God has gifted us to do. Everyone in this room has gifts. And I know sometimes this is, you kind of sit in the corner and go, okay, well, not me. Maybe because we kind of focus on certain gifts. God says, before the foundations of the earth, I have given you spiritual gifts. They are there for the body, and I am telling you, they bring you joy. So I, what I want to do now, just briefly, is to try and get you to maybe start searching these gifts. We've had, now we've, first off, we ask God to reveal the things that are still in our joy. Ask God now to reveal the things that create joy. Okay, so in Romans 12, um, verse 6. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Um, it says, let's see, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Okay, do you have the gift of prophecy? Do you like to speak God's word? Do you have a black and white visual of what God's truth is? Is that something that you just can't help but do? Ask God how he wants you to use that in accordance to your faith, in accordance to how far along you are in your walk. Okay, if you have the gift of ministry, let us use it in ministering. Do you love to help people? Do you love to, you don't care what you do, you'll clean the uh, dishes, you'll mop up the floors, whatever is there to minister to somebody's needs. You don't need to be in front. You're happier actually being behind the scenes and doing things. Um, Go up. You know, pastors' wives love it when people come up and say, is there something I can do to help? It's like the best. Are you kidding? I had somebody do that to me a couple weeks ago, and I went, oh, you're going to have to give me a minute, you know, to to think of that one. That's not a question I get very often. So I love that. Go, just in the little things. There might just be little things that need to be done. Yet that brings, and that'll bring you joy when you start to exercise that, okay? So ministry, if that, you feel like that's your gift, start uh, exercising that. If you feel like you're a teacher, start teaching. And that doesn't need to be in big settings. It can be one-on-one, and that's how I usually recommend you start. If you like having people get it, if that just rocks your boat when you're able to teach God's word and have them go, I never thought about it that way. Take a man, do the mentoring thing, okay? Take somebody, there's always somebody that is mentorable. Okay, always. It could be little kids. It could be somebody your own age. If you feel like teaching is your thing, start exercising that gift. Because one of mine is teaching. I love to teach. I'm not not saying I'm really great at it, but I love to do it. 
because like I said, I get ministered to do, doing that. Brings me huge joy. Even though you think to yourself, you sign up for that and you go, oh God, what did I do that for? You know, because it, it brings with it all the other stuff too. But um, teaching, if you feel like that, apply that. Start finding somebody that will listen to you, okay? Um, if you feel like you're an exhort, if you have the gift of um, exhortation, and that looks like one-on-one -on -one discipleship. You want to be with that, another person. You want them to succeed. You want them to get it. If you are more of a, of a like I said, one-on-one -on -one person, not so much a big crowd evangelistic kind of person, start to, to uh, do that. Set yourself up with somebody that needs you. Uh, young mothers, single mothers, whatever you need to do, okay? Start to uh, looking for areas that you can start using that giftedness. Um, if you feel like you have the gift to give, it says, do it liberally. And what that looks like, it looks like giving. That's kind of self-explanatory. It could be money. It could be time. It could be resources. It could be food. Anything like that. And you know what? My husband, I think, has, he has a lot of these gifts. But giving is one of his things. Okay? He is so excited. He buys golf clubs in abundance. He's got bags he gets from, like, antique stores and thrift stores. And he starts filling them all up with, like, a full set of golf clubs. And somebody, college kid, comes along and goes, oh, I've got golf clubs for you. He just runs down, grabs his whole set of golf clubs, and just gives it to him. And he's just so happy about it, and then he runs out and buys another set, you know. So if you find yourself just giving stuff, be careful not to give <coughs> other people's stuff, okay? Because that sometimes happens, too. If you've got the gift to give, you like to give so much that you end up yanking stuff out from underneath people. Oh, you're using that chair. Let me give it to somebody else. You know, be careful you don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes they get, you know, uh, positive downsides to the gifts. Okay. Um, start just giving. It'll bring you joy. I promise you it'll bring you joy. Um, and it also gets us out of ourselves. Okay. On our little joy suckers here, Tuesday night at Ladies Study, I had my friend just slip this little piece of paper in there. And she put joy written, you know, J-O-Y. And then she put Jesus, others, you. Okay, so that's what I put on my um, little tag. And when we start investing in other people, our world becomes so much less about us. I don't think that we find a lot of joy when we are very egocentric. It's when we're reaching out and doing the others thing is really when we, when we uh, find that joy. So start uh, giving if that, you feel like that's your gift. Um, if you feel like you're a good leader, start leading in something. Okay, fill in the blanks. You guys can figure that out. Um, and do you have the gift of mercy? There's a lot of people in this world that needs mercy. Okay, they need God's touch. They need to be told that you're, you're on the right track. Um, just at, do you see where I'm going with this, though? That whole putting on the gifts, start exercising, using them for the body. They're not for you, necessarily, for the, for the people around you. Start doing that. And you will, some of those things that you are holding on to and feeling like they're sucking your joy, they'll just disappear. Okay. So that's what I, I kind of uh, strongly suggest that you um, figure out what those things are that do bring you joy, the things that are connected to Jesus, um, and just go for it. Um, I wanted to also say, too, that um, surrounding yourself with people, if you are in this place where you are in habitual joy, joylessness and you just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, there was a time during... In between surgeries, after surgeries, I can't remember. I'm a, I love laughter. I love to have fun. In fact, every time I say goodbye to my kids, I'll say, have fun. I guess that's my theme of my life, have fun. Everybody should have fun. Um, and I remember waking up, and it was just so heavy. 
And I remember being in the car and I said to my husband, it was in January and you know that whole winter blues was setting in and I just said, you know, just please drive me up to the mountains. I need some sun. I need to feel that, that warmth on me. And I remember being in the car and just going, oh God, will I ever be joyful again? This just is so heavy. It's just so, so heavy. Will I ever laugh again? Because I really like that old person. Can I just encourage you, if you're in that season and you feel like joy, that joylessness is just not, you don't even recognize it anymore, you don't even see how it can be added back in, it will be added back in. I'm, I'm very joyful. <laughs> Can't you tell? But, oh, God, there's a sweetness that comes out of those valleys, and you don't take for granted joy. You don't take for granted people and relationships that you build up. And so don't worry. You won't be stuck there. God is refining you. He's burning that stuff off that needs to be gone. Um, and you're just going to be an amazing um, vessel being used by him if you'll just let him do the work. Okay? But it's not going to last forever. He will bring you back up out of that and he will create just this amazing, amazing thing. And on that note, um, right after I got diagnosed, I remember waking up in the morning. I didn't know what my game plan was going to be necessarily. Um, I knew what I wasn't going to do. I'm very into natural um, health. And so um, I remember sitting up in that bed that morning. I was very new into the process and God spoke so clearly to my heart. He said, this isn't about you. This is more about the people around you. Oh. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, and you know what? The, I, he gives us those things to hang on to, doesn't he? That I can do this then because if this is going to affect the people in my life and the people around me, I can do this. Um, and so I held on to that through the process. It was, it was great. Um, my prayers became deeper and more real. Um, and I saw the people's lives who were transformed. So are we willing to be the living sacrifice? Because that's what we're talking about. I know I'm flipping back and forth to the, to the things that God does that seem joyless, but there is a purpose in them. Just don't fight against it. Let him work through you. Um, I'm a better person. I know it was about me a little bit. There needed to be some stuff that burned off, but... Um, really um, believers it's not so much about us okay we're the vessel where the fruit is going out to the other people let God do this in you um, and joy does come in the morning praise God so if you're in that place where you just don't see it and it just seems so elusive it'll be there and surround yourself with believers surround yourself with people that can bring joy back into your life that will pray for you um, try not to suck their joy out too much um, <laughs> but just be there just show up God does all the rest he will magnify what little tiny effort that we have and so I, I hope that helps um, and be intentional about it okay Satan is there ready to steal it again he wants to take it from you be intentional just keep going for that and don't let that happen so I hope that worked for you um, or helped you and if you need prayer in any of this oh, I love to pray with people I love that one-on-one -on -one kind of thing you know get a hold of me sometimes I'm here for that um, I come to these retreats because I get energized by serving 
Um, that's just the gift that he's given me. So um, please, not just me, but there's a lot of people around here that have uh, deep waters and the roots are deep. And so surround yourself with those people. Okay, let's go, Lord. God, I just thank you again for uh, really what little we can bring to the table, Lord. I pray that you magnify, and I pray that um, if there was just even just a little bit that will uh, bless these women, Lord. I just look around at their faces, and I just see um, these amazing uh, uh, stories, Lord. Um, I thank you for the work that you do in us, Lord. I thank you that you don't leave us in that uh, uh, middle place, Lord, that we are saved enough just to, to um, um, avoid hell, Lord. We want to be so much more saved than that. We want to be used, Lord. We want to feel the joy that comes from denying ourselves and picking up the cross, Lord, and following you. Um, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the things that you knew I needed to deal with. For the things I needed to face, Lord, because it was holding me back and I didn't even realize it. So I praise you for that, Lord. I praise you for freeing me up, Lord, to just love you fully. Um, I thank you again just for um, uh, the stories that we all have to tell, Lord. I just praise you for the deepness of it. Lord, I thank you even for our weaknesses. Because if we felt like we were coming to this gig, Lord, with any strength of our own, Lord, we would be so useless. And so thank you for our weaknesses, Lord. Thank you for lifting us up. Please continue to, to help us to humble ourselves, Lord, so that you can exalt us in due time. Um, we just thank you for that. The world needs to see uh, what joy is, Lord. We need to pour that out on our families, Lord. We need to pour that out on those people that are around us. And Lord, please help us not to be hypocrites or to go on and, and put the joyful face on, Lord. Help us to be authentic. Help us to do this, Lord, with your power and not our own power, Lord. So I just thank you for that, and I thank you for just the, the sweetness and, and um, being able to be together, Lord, as, as sisters in Christ. I praise you for that. And we just lift up um, all of these, uh, these possible joy suckers, Lord, and we ask that you will... We offer them up to you. We put them on the altar, Lord. Um, we put them on a burning altar. Um, help us not to try and reach in and grab them back, Lord, or at least we'll be burned by that. Please help us just to, to lay those down at your feet, Lord, and just to turn away from them, Lord, and to pick up the, the joy and the sweetness that you've given us. Praise you for that, Lord. Uh, please continue to bless the rest of our weekend and bless those that are still have um, yet to speak and to share, Lord. We thank you ahead of time for the, the work that that's going to do in us. Praise you again, Lord. You All of the glory goes to you, Jesus. And we just say it. Amen. Amen. Thank you.